Father, thank you for our time together. I thank you that uh, you put us in a season of life. And if you've been gracious to us, of course, as you always are, you've given us grandkids and that particular blessing. I pray that as grandparents, we would learn what you have to say in your word about our jobs at this point, our roles, the way we should live our lives in this phase of, of, of the life that we have on this earth. We thank you for that. Uh, we pray that we would be fruitful in this phase of life, uh, both at, at work and everything we do, but especially in the role as grandparents. Help us to understand that it's a God-given role, uh, that you walk with us in this, that was your intention all along, and uh, that we have a place in your kingdom and uh, a job to do while we're here. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so that's kind of tipped off the whole purpose here. We're going to think about the role of, of grandparents um, and what the Bible has to say. It really, you probably heard this term like I have, that God has no grandchildren. You ever heard that term? What is it, what's meant by that? I've heard it. I'll tell you what I think about it. But uh, if you've heard it, what, is, what, are, what are people trying to say? They're not really saying so much about grandparenting. What's that? That everyone has a personal, so we're really sons or daughters. We're not necessarily God's grandchildren because we don't have an intermediary between us. We can be God's children in every generation. So that's true. Obviously, that, that part of that is true. But I got to thinking about it. You know, I, I've written a lot about God's plan for us as parents, and you can see it in the Bible. You can see God acting as a parent. This is, for me, one of the greatest revelations of Scripture is that in the Old Testament, God was a great model of a parent when he raised the nation of Israel. They started out in the womb and then kind of were birthed on the scene as they came out of Egypt. Almost the water, passing through the water, almost like birth. Uh, and then, guess what? They were toddlers and they were a mess. And then they grew up a little older and they were still a mess. And they were a mess and then they were re rebellious, maybe teenagers, I don't know. But in all of those different phases, you had God acting with them like a parent. And then in the New Testament... What does Jesus do? You see anything that he does that sounds like a parent? Sure, the, yeah, with his disciples, with any of the disciples, he was raising them. He was training them. And you can see a lot of parenting principles in that. But on the one hand, you got that. But on the other, I didn't really see what does God do as a grandparent? How does he relate there? So if he's not a grandparent, I mean, if God has no grandchildren, then where do we get our role for being grandparents? How do we see ourselves in Scripture? How do we look at God as a model for us? Because that's what we always ought to do. Anyway, it's just a conundrum, and I thought, oh, we'll start with that. If, if God has no grandkids, how do we know what we should do as, as grandparents? There's, there's a little bit of a role confusion for grandparents, because we're not the parent of our grandkid. So what's our authority? What's our role here? There's a little confusion, and there's a variety. So um, I'm going to play you a little video real quick. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to hear it. And this is, uh, there's not deep theology here, but it does give us a, a little bit of a sense of where we are as a country and as a culture with relation to grandparents. I found that there were over 7 million grandparents raising grandchildren in their home. They kept counting and found 2.7 million grandparents were the only adults. They are the full-time parent. They kept counting and counting and found 1.7 million grandmothers parenting alone. Single parenting is hard, and even harder as a grandparent. Just to make things harder, they discovered 580,000 of these homes had an average income below the poverty level. 
He survived with under $33,000 per year. Why are so many of you raising your grandchildren? Most of the time, it's because of your adult children. Instead of happily ever after, they've experienced job loss, divorce, death, drug or alcohol abuse, mental disorders, or antisocial behavior that's landed them in jail. Your grandchild's been through a lot too. A lot of stress, fear, confusion, anxiety, maybe even abuse and trauma. You stepped in because your grandkids weren't safe. You wanted to keep them out of foster care, and there weren't many other options. So you changed your plans. Instead of golf, vacation, cruises, time with friends, doing the things that you want to do, you started parenting again. The good news is that you have what they need. Sure, it'd be great if they received it from their parents, but you have the things they need. There's even more good news. You can get something from it too. It might be one of the most difficult challenges of your life, but in the end, you can make an eternal impact. And that's something the world can't take away from you. So, in closing, there are some things that we want you to know. We are your biggest fans. We're cheering for you, praying for you, and we praise God for you. Also, we're here to help when we can, however we can. We're eager to help. Project Patch, building stronger families, restoring troubled youth. Join us online for parenting tips, information about our seminars, our family experience, or to learn more about our youth ranch for troubled teens. So um, I just thought that was uh, interesting because it gives us a, a state of the union, if you will, for where we are as a country. And grandparents are stepping into a role that is elevated at least. I guess there's always been places or times when, when grandparents had to take the place of parents. But that's, that's been exacerbated. That role is growing in this country for a variety of these reasons because this younger generation, sometimes they're failing to launch. You've heard that. There's even a movie by that name. Uh, so they're having babies. That doesn't mean they're not doing that, but they're not necessarily stepping on, up in the role of, of parenting. Uh, so we've got, I wouldn't call it a crisis, but there's certainly a groundswell. And there's more parents, there's more grandparents raising kids in the church where we are than we've seen before. And I've, I've talked with some churches around where that's the bulk of the children that come to their, their church is brought by grandparents. So, and grandparents are certainly um, interested in these things. That we, we have the perspective that, that our kids sometimes don't have. Anyway, it makes me wonder then, what is it that God has for us? Is this just an accident? Um, I, I believe the church is certainly uh, called to this new ministry here. And that's why I've, there's others. I, what I'm doing is just a reflection of a, a groundswell of interest in grandparents, in the role of grandparents in our country and in the church. What, what is our job in ministry? What, where do we fit in our church? Uh, there's a lot of trends that are affecting this. Some of these are bad trends like kids just not doing their jobs and so the grandkids then are left we've got to step in and help and that's a noble thing but we're we're not really going to dwell on that we're just going to look primarily at, at what God says our job is and uh, so that we understand it um, you know there's some people who think as as grandparents they get to just sail off into the you know into the cruise or off in an RV and and I don't believe that's scriptural I don't see that anywhere in in the Bible where we just get to go on cruise control 
and uh, walk away from the job, uh, particularly the job not just of working with our grandkids, but just the whole next generation. And we're at risk. I presented statistics in the last session that I did about how many of our kids are walking away from the faith. And our churches are shrinking. Let's face it. But you're in a place where that's not necessarily happening right here, but as a church of, in America, it's, it's shrinking. And it's because the next generation is, is not stepping up in the numbers that previously did. So it's, it's a problem. Um, you've got a handout, and I'm not real good about following my own, my own handout here as far as the, the blanks to fill, but the blanks to fill are just a way to, to be more interactive. So if I go past one and you want to f- see what I, I should have said, uh, you can call me back to that. I should have printed it out, but it's on here. So if, at about eight font, I'll be wearing this <laughs> and uh, reading what I should be sharing with you. Uh, what you've got here is really the seven implications, but before we go to the implications, we're going to look at the seven biblical principles. So just uh, do that on the screen here, and we'll uh, see what we got. Let me tell you what I find as I look in Scripture for uh, what the Bible can tell us. Oh, by the way, grandkids, right? So these are mine. You're forced to look at them. I, we have three by our oldest daughter. That's, uh, exactly. These three are Aggies, but... Don't hold that against them. That's Contessa and Alexander and Edison. And then our newest one is only about four and a half months old. That's uh, Elliot. So we are having a blast with our kiddos. It's just really a fun thing. So we're, we're really blessed in that phase of life. Okay, God is a grandparent. Yeah, I started out with this already. The Bible presents God as a loving parent. And of course, we have him as our model for parenting. But there's not much in the Bible to show us how God acts as a grandparent. At least I can't find it directly. Uh, I'm sure it's there if I was just were smart enough to find it. What we do know that God does speak about grandparents. And there's, a, there's more than you might think. What role do grandparents play? So you answer this question for me, if you would. A grandparent is a fill-in-the-blank. A model. Oh, that's a good one. Anybody else? Encourager. Teacher, ooh, spiritual mentor, ding, 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 all right? A need meter, ah, interesting, interesting. A playmate, okay, that's counselor, playmate. There's interesting things in here that aren't traditional, I mean, okay, but that's, there's something into both of those that we're going to pick up on uh, that I think are very, very important in terms of giving us some ideas about what, um, what God has given us an opportunity to do, and we shouldn't overlook. Okay, so now, what's the best thing about being a grandparent is? Send him home. All right. Yeah, with chocolate. That's right. Best part about being a grandparent? Cuddling. Cuddling. Okay, sir, say again. Yeah, the legacy aspect of that relationship. And that is a golden thing, isn't it? That's, a, that's an awesome opportunity. Bragging rights. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Time to enjoy your experience because now you've lived a, a perspective much more. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. That speaks to the fact that they plow back into us, don't they? They give to us. Well, in your experience in God's creation, you, she said each child is different. You're getting to see that. What a treasure it is to see that 
each one of these guys, and, and you had, like you said, the time to kind of study your kids a little differently. Because in the meat and potatoes of parenthood, you don't have time. You're just getting them from place to place a lot of times, right? That, and that's, that's not necessarily wrong. That's just the nature of it. Back to that first question, a grandparent is a buffer. So I'm pointing these out because there, there were studies done that, that helped us answer this, and I'm just going to bring those up in a minute. But before we do, hardest thing about being a grandparent, <laughs> saying goodbye, even though you do send them home with chocolate and, and sugar. Ooh, keeping your mouth shut, not overstepping. Yeah, it's, it's a delicate bound. Because we don't have a written out boundary, I mean, you know what your job is as a parent, right? We know we're primarily responsible. Grandparents have a kind of a secondary you know, roll through our kids almost, not directly to our grandkids, or at least that can be the case. Disciplining or knowing when and when not, what your roles are, that's kind of hard. Watching them go astray, of course, of course. Because, again, because your perspective, you know how much it's going to hurt when they walk away from the Lord or when they do this or that, that gets them in trouble. We have that perspective. They don't. They go blindly into this, not knowing what they're about to get themselves into, but we do. It hurts. Okay, very good. All right, here's some uh, descriptors. So there was a survey done by ta-da, AARP, our good friends. <laughs> but I chose this survey because it's not a Christian survey. This is all grandparents answered that question, what's your role? Give me some words for your role, and they came up with some, some words. Watchdog. You're a watchdog. You have a role of guardianship. Or at least that's what these parents, these grandparents said. Arbitrator. It speaks of that. I'm kind of in between sometimes, grandchild and parent. I can see things that, from both perspectives, and they can't really see it, and they're butting heads, and sometimes we act as arbitrators. Stress buffer. Somebody said something that was a little bit like that. Yeah, buffer. You, you use the very word. A stress buffer because it's stressful. Parenting is. Sometimes kids are stressed or you know, irritated with their parents, parents are irritated with their kids, we have that luxury of maybe being a step away from the situation so we can help deal with that stress. And I think that's a, again, our perspective says you were right there where your kid is, and I remember it, okay? Roots, that's what the word, we're their roots, and we're a source of personal historical data. Here's where you came from. Here's what your grand, great-grandmother did, or here's what, those are, that's an important role that we have. Resource person. I added this term. That's, that's what they said, but I think what they mean by that is we're kind of the backup plan a lot of times. When things go bad with the child care center or whatever, sometimes they fall to us. Even if we're not the primary caregiver, we can be the backup person. We're the resource for a lot of different things. Mentor. Somebody said that. Did you say that? Yeah. Mentors. And that's a tremendous role. Well, what's, what's different between a parent and a mentor? Let's think about that for just a second. Okay, yeah. There's a, there's a different role between a parent who's obviously got legal ramifications and, and certainly moral ramifications, but a mentor is more a voluntary role to, to some extent, right? It's a little more relaxed role, I guess. But I think that's an important one. Conveyor of family legacy. Somebody over there said that. It's something about... We give them a, a legacy. What are we like? As Dempsey's, what does that mean? What do we do? You know, my dad passed something down that I treasure a lot. And it wasn't money, it, but it was a good name. He had a name in the community that was reliable, 
that uh, stepped in and took care of things. And uh, that's always struck, well, I want to be that because that's what my dad did. And so that, and I'm sure that came from his dad. I never knew my dad's dad, but I'm sure he got that. Silent savior of children from faltering families. And that speaks to this trend. So much of the time right now, like those numbers that you saw, we are really saving kids from the pit of destruction as, as grandparents. And I feel for those grandparents because that's hard, right? At this age now, doing the things we're doing with little guys, I mean, after about four hours, we we got to go take a nap. <laughs> yeah, we make them lie down. It's nap time. You don't know it, but it's nap time. So it is hard. It's hard for us. It, it takes our energy. We're surrogate parents. Let's look at seven biblical principles. So as you look at Scripture, I, there's some things that struck me about where we are in our lives. And uh, I like doing this stuff. I like seeing what the Bible says about something, maybe exploring in a different way. I, I would say one principle is that involvement counts more than DNA. And there's two stories I love from Scripture. The, the story of Mordecai working with Esther. You know who Mordecai was in relation? Who was he? Uncle. Some say cousin. But anyway, it wasn't a, wasn't a parent. Her parents died. They were off the scene. So he stepped in. And she wasn't his child. But from a, a point of involvement, he was very involved. And interesting thing, when you read his story, looking for this, even after she was selected and brought into the role that she was in, every day he was walking by the gates of the palace, tucking on Esther, her well-being, what's going on with her. He couldn't let that go. Man, that says something, that Mordecai was very involved. And guess who had influence on her? We, we never hear the, story, the name of God in that book. Isn't that interesting? But you do hear Mordecai a lot. A pastor I know wrote... Um, a whole treatise on the book of Esther, uh, the types that are in Esther. And Mordecai was the type or the, or the image of, our picture of, the Holy Spirit. Man, that opened up that book to me in a lot of ways. But I think this is bigger. So this is a message to the whole church. I've stepped outside of just grandparenting. But let's talk about Jehoiada. Do you know who Jehoiada was? As I was preparing this, I was also teaching a Sunday school class for second and third graders, and the lesson happened to be on Josiah. You know what age he was when he became king? Eight. Eight years old. Well, that's my reading of it, <laughs> Cecil. I don't want to contradict you. You might, you might be right. He was little. Eight years old. And, of course, he had a horrible situation. His grandmother was absolutely horrible, evil. Killed all the successors to the king, but one was hidden away by Jehoiada, who was the high priest. So, taken into the temple, probably, raised by Jehoiada. The, the interesting thing about Jehoiada and Josiah is that the Bible says Jehoiada, uh, Josiah was a good king all his life until what happened? The day that Jehoiada died. When he died, Josiah goes, starts downhill. And Josiah, and this was, I wasn't teaching the kids about this, but Josiah was the one that cleansed the temple, that brought the temple back into repair and did all kinds of great things. He was a good king until Jehoiada, his mentor, the one who had involvement in his life died and left the scene. So anyway, these are two examples that aren't fathers. They're not grandparents, but they were very involved. And involvement counts more than DNA, I would say. So just because you're a grandparent, that's good. I mean, it's not bad, but involvement is more important than the DNA. 
Okay, another uh, is that age plus godliness gives insight to bless and train. You know, the problem with this is that I don't have my scripture references. They're not in here either. Um, trust me on this one. I'll pull them up in a minute after we go through this. Okay, I'm sorry. I just saw the one page. So they got both of my pages. Good, because I sent them both, but I thought they didn't get printed. Okay, you're right. So involvement counts more than lineage. You know that. Uh, from Titus, well, let's just see what the Bible says about it, because they're not just the example of Jehoi Jehoiada and Mordecai. Older men are to be sober-minded. This is Paul talking to the church, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith. Older women, likewise reverent in behavior. They're to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled. This is just older generation, younger generation. So, yes, we're in the season of life where we have grandkids and we celebrate that, but you have a responsibility, not just to your grandkids, to the whole church, to the whole next generation. We as church members are to do this. Uh, older men setting an example for younger men, older women setting an example for younger women. Okay, so then second, godliness with age gives, gives certain insight to us. Uh, think of the, the few examples that we do have in Scripture, Lois with Timothy. You know, as far as we know, Timothy had a heathen father. We don't ever hear of him. He was Greek. He was not Jewish. But Lois, she knew the Bible. She knew Scripture. And that legacy was passed down. Scripture was passed down to Timothy. He knew Scripture. And that's what transformed him. Second Timothy 1.5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in who? Your grandmother. There's the influence of a godly grandmother because her she had faith. She knew Scripture because Paul says later on, you were taught these Scriptures from the time you were a child. And so you already know a lot of this stuff. That's what Paul say, says to them. But it was in Lois, your grandmother, and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. Uh, so that's a great statement about the influence of a godly grandmother. First, I think that's it means exactly what it says. Lois was the first one to have an influence on you. And uh, I think that's powerful. Okay, uh, Genesis 48, 9, Joseph said to his father, now this is at the end of Jacob's life, and the, the redemption has happened as far as uh, they've been brought to live in, under the protection of Pharaoh. Jacob's about to pass away, and Joseph has these two sons. So Joseph said to his father, these are my sons whom God has given me here. And Jacob said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. He goes ahead and does that. Jacob wanted to speak specifically into his grandson's life. He had insight. So that's why I say it's not just enough to be old. I mean, that doesn't really give us a whole lot. I mean, yeah, it gives us something. I'm not saying that. But age with godliness, and which is what we should have, years of spending time in the words, of spending time with God, that gives us something really good. And Jacob had an insight for his two grandsons. If Jacob did, why shouldn't we? We should be able to, to have that same insight. We have to serve the same God, same resources. In fact, greater resources of the Holy Spirit lives in us, not just available. We should have that same. And plus, we have all of the, the, the whole of Scripture now. So I think if Jacob was able to speak specifically into his grandsons' lives, we should be too. Now, that may mean we need to pray, we need to think about, we need to ask for the insight that we need to, to speak into our grandsons or grandchildren's lives. It's available because it was available to this saint.
as an example to us. Okay, the third one. Grandparents do pass an inheritance to their grandkids. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. And I've always read this scripture more about the, the wealth. So it was, a, it was a goal, always. You know, I don't want to just spend all my money. I'd love to accumulate some and leave it to, the, to bless not only my kids, to, but my grandkids. And that's a good goal. But I don't think it stops with money. It's certainly not the only thing that we have as an inheritance to give our children. Let's look at Psalm 103.17. It says, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to who? Children's children. So His righteousness that we, He's given us, it's imputed, right? We didn't, it's not our own righteousness. But God's righteousness was given to us, and we want to pass that to our children's children. I think that's God's plan. So, we have an inheritance. We have a right to pass that inheritance to our kids. So I think we need to take that as a promise from God that we have something, the righteousness that God has given us, not, uh, not earned, but totally given to us, is something we can pass to our, our grandkids. So, you know, sometimes we don't know how that happens. It doesn't seem like we actually have that much influence, but I guarantee you the Bible says that it is having an influence. I think as we're open to the Lord's leading, and, and, and Gail's doing this with our grandkids now. She's taking some of the things we've learned, better habits as parents, and she's doing those things with our grandkids now. So I think that's, an, that's a blessing. That's an inheritance that we're giving. And certainly we want to give them money if we can, but if we don't have that, that's certainly not the most important thing anyway. So we can exult in that. Grandparents are commanded to share their faith forward. That's a principle from Scripture. It's, it is not an option. It is a command. Deuteronomy 4.9, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. The, this is interesting, the, the context here. All of Deuteronomy is a great book to study. But Moses is nearing the end of his ministry and is getting ready to pass the torch to Joshua. The word Deuteronomy means second reading, second law, Deuteronomy. And so this is the last or second major reading of, of what God has shared with Moses. And he's really, it's such a heartfelt one. You can see Moses' heart just pouring out as he talks to this group of people. He knows he's about to go away and he's got all of these things he wants to share with them. And he's telling these guys, you've seen some things that no one else has seen. You have a duty now to share that, not only with your kids, but your grandchildren as well. Um, so it's a command. Uh, and I think that's an important thing for us to remember. It's just not an option. It is commanded in Scripture. It's spoken about. So if you wonder, do we have a role? Yes, we do. God has said it a number of times about children's children. And to the thousandth generation. So we, we need to have a long-term view. Grandchildren are a sign of God's general blessing and goodness. Somebody said it's just, it's just a blessing. It's just fun to be around them. We get from them too. And that's God's plan. He certainly knew that it, it would be fun for us to have our grandkids. What that tells me too though is because God intended to be a blessing, we should have an outlook of blessing, a, a positive outlook on spending time with our, with our grandkids. It's his intention for it to be a blessing, to be fun. 
and just think about this. When you go into a, a situation expecting it to be a labor and not fun, do you have a good attitude? No, but if you go into something saying this is a blessing, this is going to be fun, our hearts improve. <laughs> I tell parents this, if, thinking about discipline. If, if you dread disciplining your child, you're going to go at it with a bad attitude, and that's going to, that's going to show up as the, in the way that you discipline your child. So change that. You know, you get to discipline your children. That's hard to, to get across, but it works this way for, for grandparents. We need to see this as what God sees as a blessing. It's a blessing for us. We need to, without being ashamed of it, just realize that this is God's plan for us to get to enjoy this in these years of our, of our lives. So uh, that's a good thing. It's God's goodness to us that he does that. Proverbs 17.6, grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. The crown. You know, it's your reward. That's what a crown was. It's, a, it's, it's God sharing his glory with us. One of the most, I don't know about you, but this verse just always blows me away. I can't even quote the number of it. But it says that someday we will sit on the same throne with Jesus Christ. We'll sit on the throne with him. You know, obviously we're going to be corrected and improved and, and sin will no longer be in us when that happens. But we'll be able to be with him. That's such a magnificent sharing of his glory. We don't deserve that at all, uh, but he's going to make that happen. Uh, so he has lots of blessings for us, I guess, and this is one of them. God has a multi-generational view of consequences and blessing. You see that in a variety of places in Scripture. You know, saying it another way, your righteousness provides blessings to several generations, but your sins will penalize them too. That's a principle. Exodus 34, 6 and 7, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious can keep reading there, who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, before that, it says that his steadfast love, he's keeping that for thousands. I think that's for thousands of generations, for literally as long as generations go on. There's a benefit to godliness, but there's also a penalty that comes from sin. And so what, what is that? God doesn't say this for no reason. Why does he say that? Why does he tell us that? It ought to cause us to do something, right? An obvious cause, obvious result of that is we ought to work hard not to sin, but to pass on righteousness. So our grandchildren are a living reminder that our righteousness matters. It matters what we do. Um, and we'll get to that in, a, in, in the implications. All right, number seven. God intends grandparents to share their testimonies of God's work. So you don't have the same testimony that these uh, folks that were brought through the Red Sea, that, that Moses was speaking to, that saw 40 years pass without their clothes getting old. Uh, and all of the different things they saw, incredible. And sometimes I think, well, if God showed me that, I'd be a much more righteous person. But when I'm honest with myself, God has shown me a bunch of amazing things. Miracles in life. Number one, what I was like before I accepted Christ, and that was not good, to what he began to do in me. I began to see real changes made, start doing things differently, having a whole different outlook. And No, I'm not perfect, but boy, if you looked at me now and before, you'd say, that's a miracle. And so I can see that every day of my life. And so you too have, have things like that. At one point, I was a young man, I just got out a notebook and I wrote down every prayer request that I remembered praying and getting 
a miraculous answer for. And I filled up a page and a half on a, on a spiral notebook of, of just things like, I was at work one day and vehicle I was in didn't start. The van I was driving for a, for a plumber. And I needed to go somewhere. So I prayed and darned if that thing didn't start. To me, that's a miracle. Now, it might have been coincidence, but not to me. That was a miracle. And then there's some others that I feel much more strongly about that I know only happened because God, God did that. I saw it. And I think we neglect some of that sometimes. We don't write down those testimonies of things that God absolutely did in our lives, and we know it. And every time he does, we're responsible for that. We're responsible not only to share it with our kids, but our grandkids. I think that's a, something we... We need to be about keeping track of the ways God has acted miraculously because that's our proof against a, in a secular world. Some say there's no God. Well, we know there is because we've seen him act. That's your testimony. That's what you have to share, and we need to guard that testimony. Okay, so Psalm 78, 4 to 6 is one where very often is quoted about grandparents. It says, the, the speaker, we will not hide them, meaning the things that God has done in our lives. We will not hide them from their children, meaning the whole culture's children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might, the wonders that He has done. He established He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, meaning all of the things that He did, the Jewish nation, the great laws that He gave that no other culture had, those were unique things that they could testify to, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children. So this was way back. You know, this was written much later. Deuteronomy had been written much earlier. And the generation, so that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, those of us who have kids that are expecting, you're in this sentence, that they may arise and tell them to who? Another generation of children. So God's looking way past our grandkids to next generations in the future. And if we don't pass it down, who's going to pass it to that next generation? We've got a big responsibility. One thing that's unique for me, um, my grandmother's side of the family her maiden name was McCarley. So I don't know much about Dempsey, and I don't know much about Watson, which is my mom's maiden name. But her mother's maiden name was McCarley, and they had a family history that somebody really researched all the way back into the early 1700s. And so you know how we traced our, our line? Church records, baptism records from the Ireland to in that first generation of Americans in the early 1700s all the way down my grandmother, who was a member at First Baptist Church of Lubbock, I remember trotting across Broadway with her when I was very little to go to that big church. and just I was amazed at the size of that cathedral-looking place. Anyway, that's legacy passed down generation to generation to generation, multiple generations, and, and that's God's plan. That is his plan A for us to pass our faith to the next generation. Exodus 10.2 that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson. Don't miss those words. Tell. You speak. You have to say these things. How I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians, what I did to them, and what signs I've done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. We are to tell. We're to use our words to say something specifically then to our, to our grandkids. Okay, what are some implications then of this? Um, I mean, you can draw them too. It's not like I have to show you. What should we do? Well, I think, and this is where you can fill in blanks if you so choose to do. What you do matters. It really does matter. 
what you do. You are in an age, we talk about fruitfulness. Well, we still need to be pursuing righteousness. Right? So pursue righteousness. That's the second blank. You can't give your grandkids something you don't have. And if you think you can count on yesterday's righteousness, to be, it'll be stale. It's like manna is no good the next day. You've got to have fresh manna from, from God day by day to share. Grow in Christ-likeness. You can't share what you don't have. That's the, that second line there. Think about what God's done for you so you can find your own testimony. There you go. That's the blank. Fill in that blank. And I pick those words carefully. Refine your own testimony. You know, um, it, it's great that you can remember some things, but think about how will I express that to my kids? How can I share this to them in a story? Because that's what we like to hear. We like to hear stories. Tell your kids those stories. When you're telling them bedtime stories, tell them the story of when you got sick and you prayed and God brought healing. Or when you were facing that very tough situation and you prayed. Or somebody sent, God sent someone into your life and that rescued you. You have stories like that. You have a testimony. And you're commanded to share your testimony with your grandkids. All right, let's see. All right, so let's say uh, next blanks are. So that you can share how God was real active, faithful, and miraculous. Because he was. He's been real. He's been active in your life. He's been faithful. When you didn't deserve it, he was still there. And he's been miraculous in your life. And I think we discount that in this age where we think science has to explain everything. Well, it doesn't. First of all, science, by the way, doesn't explain how life happened. How a rock became alive. Evolution, scientists have no clue. Zero. There's not one line of investigation that has proved fruitful at all. And we've got great scientists. They've been looking for all kinds of things, but there ain't nothing that can tell us how a rock turned into a living thing. There's only one answer for that, and that's God. We have a miracle right around us, and it's, it's all over. So science has nothing on faith. They're not incompatible at all. Okay, be involved in the training of the next generation. And I said this because I'm a children's pastor and we're always looking for workers, right? You have time. If you still have health, then you have a responsibility to help the next generation. And you can do that very often by serving in the children's ministry down here. Even if it's a helper role, even if it's reading a story, you know, my mom was 90-something before she stopped working in the nursery. And she only stopped because she was afraid she'd drop a baby. So I would tell her, Mom, go back to work. You can still, <laughs> still talk with those babies. No, I, I probably wouldn't tell that. She might slap me. Because she still can reach, you know, pretty good. <laughs> That's right. And she would not hesitate to do that, by the way. And if that means your grandkids, so much the better. That, that's fine. You, obviously, you want to minister to your grandkids. But I would say this. If you're not active in ministering to the kids that are right around you in this church or wherever on your block, then why would God give you, you know, other opportunities to, to minister to your own kids? Serve where God has you with the people that God has put around you. And I think that's a principle. We've read that in, in the New Testament for sure. At the least, ministering to the children of your church will make you better able to minister to your own grandkids. If you're learning some of the stories that these kids are hearing, 
some of the resources that they've got, and some of the things they're saying, you'll be able to relate to your grandkids better. So I think it's good practical advice too. And as a member of churches uh, of Christ's body, you have a responsibility to all children in his church. That's how I would suggest you fill that one in. Yes, ma'am. Well, I said that not only because I know Susan is asking for help, but because I believe that when I was children's pastor, you see that. And, and if it weren't for the, for the older generation in the church where I am, we would have no children's ministry because we don't have a lot of the younger parents, but we still have families with a number of kids, and those kids need people. And guess who I went to? The first Sunday I was there, I, I went into a class that looked a lot like you guys and said, I need your help, and you're not off the hook because the Bible says you're needed. You have something incredibly valuable to give. So get busy. Come in here and help. I didn't say it that way, but, but I wanted them to know they, they were welcome and there's a responsibility there. And if you're healthy, I think you've got a lot to share. You really do. Okay. Look for ways to involve in your grandkids' lives. So that's uh, involved. There is your first blank. Look for ways to be involved in your grandkids' lives. Uh, you know, we talked about role confusion and what, what is it we do. Well, we can get involved one way or another. Praise God if you have the health, time, and money to support your grandkids. If you have the health, if you have some time now, and if you have some money to support your grandkids, that's great. God has blessed you to do that. Uh, but if you don't have any of those, you still can pray. Don't neglect the role of prayer. Okay, not only prayer, but communication and listening. Verna, what was it you said when you're talking about the role? Playing with, be a playmate. That is a very powerful way to, to be involved with your grandkids. Just get on the floor and play with them if you can still get up off the floor. If not, put them up on the table, I guess, and listening. Here's the one thing, you know, we, as you think about what parents and their kids, parents just don't have a lot of time. They've got to get the house cleaned up and they've got to get kids to these different places. Well, you don't have those you're kind of the secondary line of responsibility there. So why? Well, God meant that. He knew that would happen. So I think he's given us time to do certain things that parents don't have time to do. It's hard. When you're butting heads with your child, there's not a lot of cuddly time to talk. Think about those years when you know, you're giving a lot of orders and they're having to take orders and get places, and that causes some of that tension. You're not in that place. So you have this gift from God to say, hey, tell me about your day. You can get them on the phone and have that kind of conversation. You hope parents do that too. I would coach parents to do that. But it's just hard when you're a parent to have the time. You have the time. You can communicate. And that's one of the one things that all parents in this AARP survey said is that they can provide that kind of counseling, like you said, uh, time to listen to what's going on in their lives. Because um, they're not expecting you to tell them what to do. And that causes some tension, and so it's a little easier relationship. Yes, that's a good question. Anyone else who has been a primary caregiver? Is that kind of the primary caregiver? Okay, here we go. There are several. And in some churches, it is like 75%. I've seen those hands. There's a lot of churches where that, you know, the difficulties have really taken away a generation of parents, and now the grandparents have stepped in. I know those churches. So you aren't alone, and you saw these statistics, and... And they're growing. They've jumped incredibly. In fact, in 08, when we had the, the downturn in the economy, well, those numbers really spiked. A lot of grandparents had to step in because people were losing their jobs and all kinds of other problems were happening. All right. 
find ways to be in, involved. Uh, communication and listening, you should have filled those up. Now, use all the technology you can be, can, uh, you can find to stay in touch with your grandkids. These little things are great tools. You know, they're not just tools of the devil. They can be tools for us in communication. So anybody here Skyped with their grandkids? FaceTime? Sure, there you go. That's absolutely your right to do that. And, uh, and one of the things that does, an interesting way that works, is it provides a leveling. Guess what? Your kids, as we talked about, know this technology better than you do. So once you say, hey, uh, show me how to Skype, show me how to do some of this stuff, whatever they're into, depending on their age, they might be an Instagram or something like that, and get them to show you that. And then pray that they don't abuse those tools as well. Uh, but that may be something you get to talk with them about, that, that this is a port into some really bad stuff. You need to be careful with that. Because they need to hear that not just from their parents, who are going to be telling them that, you hope. They can hear that from you too. And that gives them another checkpoint, another person sharing wisdom into their lives. Okay, let those kids, let them, that blank, let them resource you. Then be intentional about times to share your life and faith. So, and I'll point to Gail again here. She has thought about making it a priority so that when we have our grandkids that we do something with them specific about sharing faith and not just going to the jump house, which is our favorite place, to be with them. But I spoke with a group, and I didn't bring this tool with me, but there's a family devotion tool called Family Time Activities. And one of the things you could do with those kids is have family devotion with them and do something fun to share the faith with your kids. The beauty of Family Time Activities, and you can go to their um, website, which is famtime.org. I would advise you to get knowledgeable about this sort of tool it gives you some fun things to share biblical truth with kids. Because let's face it, if you do a standard boring devotional with your, with your kids, what's going to happen after one or two times? Tune out. Yeah, then they're going to resist it. That's not going to be fun. Oh, the roller eyes. They might do it because they love you, but it's not fun. Uh, and they won't tolerate it from their parents because they're not sure they love them. <laughs> But if you can do something that speaks to the child in their language, uh, something that's uh, an object lesson, and let's face it, that's what God, uh, Jesus did with us. He says he didn't teach a truth without using a parable. It's because we're boneheaded, and we need something to help us get the truth in a, in a better way. So that's what we do with kids. Famtime.org provides you a bunch of these things. And I did it as a children's sermon from time to time. You remember the one where I knocked an egg off thing and it fell in? That came from family time activities. It's fun. And now you're sharing your faith in a way that kids will accept it and want to do it again. Hey, do that again. Let's do that. And they'll be pestering you. Let's do another one of those family devotions. And now family devotion won't be a, a bad word. It'll be a good word. So those are intentional ways you get to share your faith. With your kids. So that's really easy to do. It's not rocket science. These are simple materials you'll have around your house. Uh, it doesn't always involve an egg and crazy stuff. But one of my favorite ones that you'll like, men is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they had fire. And so we get to play with fire with our grandkids. So uh, I'll leave you in suspense on how to do that, but that's in... Uh, I advise you to go where there's concrete. <laughs> I thought about that. I was going to do it in our main sanctuary, but I was afraid the sprinkler system would go off. So uh, 
I have not been bold enough to try that yet in the sanctuary. But it's coming. I'm going to try it one of these days. All right. So number four, how are we doing on time? I've got just a few more minutes. Enjoy your grandchildren as God's reward to you. You have the unique role of, you've got a blank there, support, which allows you to focus on relationship. You're not in the primary order-giving, direction-giving role. And God has granted you that space to be in a role of support where you can really focus on relationship. What a gift that is to us as grandparents. Now, I'm not saying you may be in that primary caregiver role. And if you are, you've got to do that because that is the prime. You know, that's what they need the most at that point is training and direction and so forth to get to school on time and to do the things that kids have to do. But if you're granted that place as a grandparent now to be the backup to that, don't neglect that. That's a golden privilege that we have to be relational, to really focus on relationship. Because our kids need it. They really need that. And they need it with a godly grandparent. Then you can show them what real relationship is about. It's not just that we're family. It's that we're family in the Lord. When we're that way, we're closer at a different level. Yes, Bernard? I need to remember that story. That's a good one to put in a blog. Did you hear that? The fifth, sixth grader uh, was asked, tell us what you'd be if you could be anything but what you are. And his answer was cell phone because you never put your cell phone down and you love your cell phone. You always have time for your cell phone. So guess what he's saying? My parents have time for their cell phone, but they don't have time for me. Wow. Ouch. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Well, you do realize that's not directed at you as much as it, as it is at the situation she's found herself in because she's lost a mother, right? You just happen to be the person. If it were any other woman in your place, that same dynamic would be at work. So first of all, don't feel guilty about that. That's not your role to feel guilty about. I, I hope that's of some help. and It doesn't mean it's not, not still painful because I, I can imagine how it is. Um, let me see if there's any answers in what I'm going to share here, and then we can talk some more about that, though, afterward, if I haven't dealt with it. Okay, uh, five, maintain relationship with your kids, your grandkids' parents. So you are a secondary relationship, and I think God wants you to, to honor the fact that they're the parents. God has given them a specific commanded role to spiritually train their kids. We don't want to be in the place where we disrespect them for that. That wouldn't be honoring to God and His plan. Uh, so we want to build relationship with the kids knowing that that's going to help our grandkids. So don't forget that you still want to do that. Look for ways to be involved. I said that. Uh, number four, enjoy your grandchildren. Got that support and relationship. Uh, do your best to establish and maintain relationship with your children, your kids. They have God's blessing to be their child's first gatekeeper. They are the one that God has assigned to those children. So we want to honor that relationship. Then number six is to thank God that he designed the family so that your righteousness can bless your kids. And we don't understand always how that happens, but I think that's, we're just told to, to grow in righteousness. So our job every day, whether we have grandkids or not, is to grow in Christ-likeness, in righteousness, and know that that will benefit our grandkids. Do what God tells you to do is the blank there as you ask for his wisdom. A lot of times we cry out and we're upset, we don't know what to do, but then we fail to go and ask God specifically. Tell me, God, what to do in this situation. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. I really believe that is day by day, minute by minute. The next time I see my grandkids, what should I say? That's a prayer that we can ask. 
the next time I see my grandkids or get to talk to them on the phone, what do you want me to say? Give me something to tell my grandkids. I'll tell this real quick story. When our oldest daughter was about 13, she professed Christ, but she wouldn't go through with baptism, and it was a burden to us. And I prayed, God, give me some way to get this across, because you can't just keep preaching it. You can't just keep saying this is what you should do. At some point, they've tuned it out. They're not doing it for some reason, so I needed another way to get that. I asked God to give me a story. I'd read a book that emphasized using an analogy or a story, and God gave me something that was very pertinent to her life. She was very involved in gymnastics, and she was working on a balance beam. That was a real crisis moment for her at that time. And in a balance beam routine, you got to go through the routine, and then what do you do at the end? you got to stick it. And so as we were driving along, I just God prompted my daughter, you know, you've done this routine related to your faith in Christ, but there's one part you haven't stuck the landing yet. And I didn't say one other thing, and then I didn't ask her. She didn't say much back to me, but a few months later, she came forward and went on her own, decided to get baptized. So I think that was God's answer to that prayer. I think he does that. I think he gives, gives us specific answers to specific prayers, and I think he'll do that with our kids and grandkids. Okay, number seven, we're almost there. Take the opportunity to formally bless your grandchildren. And I would say we need to take our cue from Jacob and ask if you can do a formal blessing ceremony for your kids and your grandkids. You know, he did it both kids and grandkids. And he had something of insight, and you can read his, his blessing, and it was very specific to who got what and who didn't get what. So God had given him specific insight. We don't know how that transaction happened, but I assume Jacob's prayer life gave him insight into what was going to happen to these kids, and he blessed them accordingly. And I think we should expect to do that. Write out your blessing. Ask God to help you. Write out a formal blessing for a kid or a grandkid and, and ask God to give you that opportunity. We haven't done that. I think that's something, as I've studied this, we need to probably think about doing. So that's what we're going to do. And, and we need to partner together. Me and Gail need to partner on this process. It's not just me. She has insights that I would never even come close to because she's got a, an intuitive heart that sometimes men don't have. So we need to work together on that. Uh, there you go. We're past the time. Oh, yes, pray for insights and write out your blessing. Thank you. Or for discernment. You have the time now to communicate with your grandkids in a way that the parents don't have. So you're going to be seeing things. And Gail and I talk a lot about some of the things we're seeing in our grandkids. And that's, that's a fun thing to see. I think this one's bent this way. This one has such a tender heart for this. And so that's cues for us to, to pour blessing into our kids. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time. I pray for the, the balance of our time today that you'd bless it. And uh, just thank you for this church, what they mean to us and all they've done for us. We uh, ask you to watch over this church and the leadership and uh, guide it into the future as a beacon in this community. In Christ's name, amen.